Chapter Five of From Bangkok to Bombay, Siam, French Indochina, Burma, Hindustan, by Frank G. Carpenter. Recording by Betty B. Siam's French Neighbor. Once more, I am sweltering at sea off the coast of Siam, headed southward in the Gulf named for that country, and on my way around the Great Malay Peninsula that dangles down into the Indian Ocean until it almost touches the dutch island of sumatra i am bound for rangoon there to begin my travels in the indian empire by water it is a journey of four thousand miles from bangkok but by airplane i could make it in a flight of hardly one-sixth of that distance to the east as i gaze out from the deck of my steamer lies the coast of cambodia whence the french have long looked with land-hungry eyes upon the adjoining kingdom of siam Cambodia is now subject to the government at Paris, and with Tongking, Annam, and Cochin, China, goes to make up the French territorial holdings in southeastern Asia. Our steamer does not call at any port of French Indochina, but on another voyage to this part of the world, I visited its chief city, Saigon. Saigon is in Cochin, China, which, though it is the smallest of the French Asiatic possessions, is the most prosperous and the center of French influence in the Orient. I found Saigon a surprisingly beautiful place, but also the hottest I had ever been in. It was hotter than Java on the edge of the equator, whence I had just come. The thermometer registered 100 in the shade, and at night the warm, moist air made me feel as though I were wrapped in steaming hot blankets. Saigon is as well built as any city of its size in the tropics, and it is one of the most attractive places in this part of the world. It is situated on the river Saigon, a branch of the Donai, about 40 miles from the sea. It is not far from the great Mekong River, which rises in China and flows south more than a thousand miles between French Indochina and Siam until it enters Cambodia, and then sweeps on in a mighty stream to the China Sea. The Saigon River is as wide as the Mississippi at St. Louis, and deep enough for the largest steamers, and it is connected with the Mekong by canals. The surrounding country is flat and cut up by waterways. Near the sea, the land is so low that the farmhouses are built on piles to keep them out of the water, but there is a slight elevation as you go up to Saigon. The way is through plains as rich as those of the Nile Valley. The river is lined with thickets of palm trees. There are coconut groves here and there, and back of these lie vast fields of rice and other crops. The first evidences of European occupation I noticed as we came up the stream were the great oil tanks on the left, and a little later I could see the masts of the shipping at the docks of Saigon. The rosy spires of a great cathedral stood out against the sky and soon we were winding about between watercraft of all kinds into the heart of the city. Landing on the wharf, I started off for a stroll. It was easy to see that the French ruled Saigon. There were French signs over the stores, French buildings in the business part of the town, and French people everywhere. A dozen chic French girls dressed in Parisian styles and with parasols in their hands met our steamer. The customs officers were French, and there were scores of officials and merchants, spick and span in white duck and white helmets, who spoke to us in French as we went ashore. 
the natives about the docks spoke pigeon french the streets are wide and so well macadamized that the red earth upon them is as hard as iron and as smooth as a floor trees have been planted along the roadways in such numbers that even from the river one can see little of the city except the red tiled roofs of the houses and the rose-colored spires of the cathedral showing out of the green some of the trees have leaves like enormous fans which whisper to you as you walk the streets some bear coconuts and others are great masses of blossoms of the brightest colors one is the flamboyant or torch tree such as i have seen on the amazon and in the philippines it is as tall as the biggest oak and blazes with satiny blossoms of fire there are other trees equally large bearing blue flowers and many slender beetle palms with fan-like branches thrusting out of their tops i spent some time in the botanical gardens which are said to be surpassed by those of java alone the stucco houses are painted in bright colors red pink yellow and blue and the public buildings are so substantial and well built as to reflect credit on the french indeed they have given saigon many splendid improvements here a great bridge spans the saigon river there a steel structure crosses a canal along the wharves is a dry dock big enough to float the largest of warships the city has cable telegraph and telephone services and the principal streets are well illuminated by arc lights the saigon marine hospital would be worthy of any port saigon has in the neighborhood of eighty thousand people of whom only about four thousand are europeans the natives seem to be a cross between the chinese and the malays every crowd is a succotash of races there are many short homely women with yellow skins and jet black hair who would remind you of the girls we saw in siam they wear jackets and pantaloons some having chemises falling almost to the feet other women dress like those of burma and still others wear sarongs like the javanese some of the men wear chinese costumes some javanese and some a mixture of both everywhere there are half-naked children of all shades of yellow and brown the babies have on no clothing and are carried about astride the hips of their mothers the women and little girls decorate themselves with collars or hoops of silver gold or brass about their necks and many young women have their fingers covered with rings i counted as many as five on one finger of a girl i passed it is the custom to put gold and silver bracelets and anklets on the children i saw a four-year-old girl dressed solely in three gold anklets two gold bracelets and ten finger rings unlike the siamese most of the natives of cochin china wear their hair long putting it up in a knot on the back of their head the men bind a cloth about their heads to keep their hair in place while the women plaster down their tresses with oil the usual hat among the lower classes is a conical one of straw either snow white or oil to a rich yellow every one chews the betel nut and even the prettiest of the girls carry quids in their cheeks one of the industries of saigon is preparing the lime to be mixed with the betel nut it is obtained from shells which are burned in great kilns saigon is the halfway station between the chinese and indian worlds and one finds there many of the characteristics and customs of both much of the business is done in bazaar-like cells 
similar to those of calcutta and bombay in them dark-faced hindus squat in the midst of goods calling out to the foreigners sahib please buy outside the market houses are money changers and many jewelry stores for the people put most of their savings into bracelets rings and anklets the chief money changers are clings as black as the ace of spades from southern hindustan they sit behind tables with little stacks of coins gold silver and copper before them the local currency is in silver and the highest denomination the piastre is equivalent to about fifty cents i spent some time going through the markets a number of the dealers were girls in black clothes each with a collar of silver or brass about her neck and silver bands around her wrists and ankles many of the women were sewing and chinese cobblers were squatting on the stones outside mending shoes in the meat market i saw a score of chinese butchers cutting up pork and beef and selling the meat by the pound they were bare to the waist and their fat yellow backs were beaded with perspiration some of them wore bracelets of jade silver or gold a few miles from saigon is the native town of cholan which is considerably larger than saigon itself the two are connected by a steam tramway over which trains run every few minutes the round trip is eight miles and the first-class fare is equal to nine cents american leaving the city on this line one rides through a vast chinese graveyard the ground is peppered with tombs and mounds and the road winds its way through the graves in twenty minutes the train pulls into cholan in my walk through the town i noticed that at least half the people were chinese the more important of the business houses belonged to them and most of the goods on sale had come from china i looked in vain for anything valuable of native manufacture the porcelain seemed to be from canton as were also the silks i saw french watches and clocks in some of the stores and among the dry goods were stuffs from england germany and france there was little sign of american trade cholan has a number of big rice mills which handle a large part of the chief crop of this region the soil of indochina is rich and in the vast quantities of rice it exports it ranks second only to burma the leading rice exporter of the world enough rice goes out of saigon every year to give a pound to every man woman and child on earth notwithstanding this i am told that less than half of the rice land is cultivated the french say that they hope to make the country the breadbasket for china japan and the philippines and they are rapidly succeeding at present however the best of the rice mills are owned by chinese rather than frenchmen indeed the french are now doing much to develop their colonies the telegraph lines reach to all parts of cochin china and the colony is connected with singapore and hong kong by cable the postal system has been extended throughout the country and subsidized mail steamers ply into the interior the french have altogether in indochina a territory greater than california and oregon combined with a population of nearly twenty millions among whom are some of the least known and most backward peoples on earth cochin china while only about the size of west virginia has nearly four and one-half million inhabitants just back of it is cambodia as big as ohio while to the north is anam bigger than cochin china and cambodia combined 
still farther north is the province of tonking which with the protectorate of laos is larger than all france the french are trying to extend the railroads of tonking into china so as to claim the southern part of that country as a sphere of their influence but i should say that they have a big empire to develop in their own territory without seeking control over areas adjoining tonking especially has rich mines of copper iron tin zinc silver and lead as well as some of the richest coal deposits of southern asia it is in tonking that the french governor-general of indochina resides he has his capital at hanoi about one hundred and ten miles up the song Khoi, or red river hanoi is a town of more than seventy-five thousand people of whom less than a thousand are europeans and about fifteen hundred are chinese the remainder are Annamese. the capital has steamship connection with hong kong and steamers run on up the red river as far as the boundary of yunnan china notwithstanding its small european population hanoi is a lively place and has a good deal of the social atmosphere of the western world it has french newspapers a race course a public band and a club at the endowed theatre companies of french actors present the best plays in the late afternoon the cafe tables about the hotel metropole remind one of paris for around them are seated french men and women talking and sipping their wine just as if they were at home there are several large government offices besides the barracks a hospital and the residence of the governor-general many new streets have been laid out and planted with trees they are lighted by electricity and most of them are drained at hanoi the red river is about a mile in width and the districts near the river look not unlike the waterfront of saigon between the french quarter and the native town lies the little lake with a white pagoda rising in the middle of the waters the Annamese call this the lake of the great sword for from it rose the blade with which li loi one of the national heroes once freed tong king from the chinese when its work was done the sword returned to the lake in the form of a jade green dragon the native city of hanoi is composed of one hundred and six villages each of which was formerly devoted to some particular trade the ancient guilds still persist to some extent and certain streets are given over to the different crafts in brass street the metal workers tap away making vases and pots and kettles and trays in the street of cups plates and teapots and little teacups without handles are for sale while on the long street of the paper village men may be seen treading pulp in big tubs and manufacturing the finished product there are besides sugar street cotton street the street of sales and others hanoi is the headquarters of the military force the governor-general having under his command between forty and fifty thousand troops stationed in different parts of the country most of the soldiers are natives although there are a few french regiments of infantry marines and artillery and an airplane squadron there is also a native militia the governor-general rules with the aid of his council and so many subordinate officials that it is said that nearly every frenchman in tonking is an officer or a soldier his excellency has more power in french china than has the british viceroy in india south of tonking and lying along the south china sea is the kingdom of annam 
which is also under the protection of the governor-general of french indochina the ruler is kai din whose name means era of peace and he enjoys nominal sway over six million people his throne is of gold his state robes are of rich brocades in the imperial shade of yellow and on his head he wears a marvelous nine dragon crown he lives in oriental luxury surrounded by an abject court and numerous wives and concubines in actual fact his power scarcely extends beyond his gorgeous palace where the french resident and his council do the real work of governing provincial chiefs are chosen by kai din but all the native officials are under the eye of the resident who may annul any act of the puppet king the capital of anam is Huey, a walled city on the Wei river some distance back from the coast the city proper stands on a square island with the river on three sides and a canal on the fourth the government officials live within fortifications built on this island by the french here are the courts of justice the observatory the library the mandarin's college and the palace of the council of state farther back inside another wall are the palaces of the king and his harem these palaces are somewhat like those of peking being covered with yellow tiles only the king has a right to a yellow roof the nobles being restricted to red in the suburbs of Huey, and that part of the town where the common people live all the buildings are small and dilapidated the people along the coast of anam and in the towns are known as anamese while the inhabitants of the hill country are called the moi the latter are afraid of the floods of the lowlands and have steadily refused to move down from their mountainous region which they believe they have inherited directly from mother eve they live in constant fear of tigers and evil spirits of all kinds the terror of tigers is shared by their more civilized neighbors the anamese the tiger is called the king of the mountain lord of the forest or simply my lord for the wonderful beast is supposed to hear anything that is said about him even at a distance of a thousand leagues and it would be terrible if he were to catch any insulting remarks on the edge of the mountainous region little altars are to be seen these are placed there to gain favor from the forest spirits and also to win the good will of the tiger every passing traveler leaves some offering upon them be it nothing more than a banana between cochin china and siam is the province of cambodia easily reached from saigon by the mekong river the people of cambodia are much like the siamese and they were in the past far superior to any others of southeastern asia the ruins of the ancient city of angkor are almost equal to those of java or india the cambodians are buddhists like the siamese they believe in polygamy and every rich man has numerous wives as i write sisawath the king of cambodia is the world's oldest living monarch his eighty-fourth birthday was celebrated with great pomp and ceremony last august he dwells within a walled enclosure in his capital city of phnom penh surrounded by five or six hundred women who perform every service for him he maintains at great expense a big troop of dancers composed of the most beautiful and graceful maidens of his kingdom the french however relieve him of all the cares of state and his majesty acts as a kind of rubber stamp for the decrees of the council under the french protectorate end of chapter five